Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Hello and welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. I am Michelle Beck a two-time 10-year survivor of breast cancer. I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends of Oregon. And when I have time, you can find me on social media at I Never Liked Pink. Not very often, but you know, sometimes it's good to get on there. I just, especially right now, this holiday season, and as we move into January, things are just busy. But I'm so thrilled today to welcome my guest, Dr. Erin Kirschbaum. She's a trained doctor of physical therapy, focuses on helping patients suffering from pelvic floor dysfunction. And this is so important, especially for those who've gone through treatment for breast cancer. I can speak from experience because, man, that really messes up our bodies. And you would think, oh, well, if you have breast cancer, why does it mess up things down there? Well, let me tell you, it does. So as a therapist, Aaron, Dr. Erin strives to really listen to her patients and her concerns and goals. And she's definitely not just about making sure like you get an appointment. She really wants to know your life and works towards a holistic approach to healthcare and is so passionate about improving her patient's quality of life. And she has been doing this for a long time. She's taken numerous education courses, specializes in the treatment of prenatal, postpartum, pelvic floor um, dysfunction, bladder and bowel dysfunction, prolapse, pelvic pain, pelvic, I mean, so many things. Um, And I just could go on and on, but she has a special interest in oncology and has taken additional courses to do that because she's really passionate in helping those move forward and beyond. So she's a Portland native and loves her hometown, yoga, football, skiing, reading, traveling, and wine tasting, which is one of my favorites as well. So Dr. Erin, welcome. Thank you for being here today. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm so glad I can be here. So is there anything that I missed that you want to throw in there in your intro? That was a really good synopsis of like my life. <laughs> um, yeah, I am a, a pelvic health, pelvic floor, physical therapist. It's truly my passion, what I've been doing my whole career. Um, so that is what my bread and butter. And another um, or a big part of that is providing education to the masses just to let um, people know that it exists because I think there's a lack of knowledge that this is a part of healthcare that um, is a resource for people. Well, as we as we titled our episode today, things you might think that are normal or common aren't necessarily that. And there's ways to fix a lot of the problems that that we have. And I I'm going to throw in my little personal tidbits throughout. But I'm one of the reasons I'm so excited was to have Dr. Aaron here today is a few weeks ago or back in October, she was a educational speaker at our luncheon at Breast Friends. And the feedback that we got, Aaron. Dr. Aaron, for you was so amazing. Women were walking out of there going, I never knew. I never knew that this wasn't normal and that I could work on healing this area because unfortunately it's something that we're not talking enough about and mm-hmm. having you here today, because I didn't get to sit in and listen. So I'm thrilled <laughs> to learn more because yeah. I've got issues. Yeah. So, <laughs> songs about that. So yep. let's dig into what we can talk about today. So pelvic floor. I know after my pregnancy, I've been diagnosed with cancer twice, 10 years of endocrine therapy. I know that I've got things going on. But for those not in the know, how would you describe pelvic floor physical therapy? Yeah, it is a sub niche or I should say niche or subfield of physical therapy. So pelvic floor physical therapists are physical therapists first and foremost, but we have specialized training in pelvic health. And so it started actually in the 80s and it has been incredibly slow to grow. Just like you said, there are still a majority of people out there that have never heard of it and don't know it exists. And it has been around now for four years decades. Um, It started mostly with the treatment of um, like pregnancy concerns. And then from there has just gradually grown um, in terms of just the the research being done, unfortunately, still isn't as robust as we would like it to be, but it's it's getting there. Um, And in terms of just, uh, yeah, people's knowledge of it. So slowly but surely, we're getting that information out. But it is it is a subfield that helps to address a bunch of things that we'll talk about um, coming up. 
Well, and one thing my mom friends and I always joke about is, especially after kids, and and I've only had one, and it wasn't even vaginally, but it still messes things up in there. And, you know, it's like, oh, you laugh really hard, you pee, you cough, you pee, you sneeze, you pee. I mean, <laughs> that's just one example of the things that I know you can help work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you obviously have extensive schooling. What did you do to really get into the oncology field and, and make that one of your specialties? So, well, pelvic PT in general is something you do after your graduate. So physical therapy is a three-year doctorate degree um, after you have done undergrad, obviously. And then from there, it, it's starting to become where I think there's electives in, in grad school that people can choose to, to dip their toe in the water of interest of pelvic health physical therapy. Um, but you can't specialize it in PT school. It is a post kind of doctorate um, training that there are a couple different routes in the United States for someone to go. Um, so I went the route of an institute in Seattle called Herman and Wallace. Many people do that. Um, and they offer a huge amount of courses and classes um, for practitioners. And it's not just limited to physical therapists, actually. It's anyone who has within their scope of practice to be able to do it, like occupational therapists, um, nurses, um, you know, other practitioners. So that is how I became a pelvic PT and training for that. And then within on there's certain classes that you get the foundational knowledge that you can then sit for your board exams to become specialized. From there, then you can choose to start taking different classes um, about lots of different specialization topics. And they offer classes on the connection between oncology and pelvic floor. And so I choose to or chose to take um one of their classes on that to, you know, to be able to increase my breadth of um, being able to help patients with. Now, data. when you're, when you're saying pelvic floor, what does that include actually in our bodies? Yeah. So the pelvic floor itself is in, um, is meaning the muscles. However, the pelvis in and of itself is a highly intricate area. And so the muscles create, and I actually have this, um, pelvic model that I use a lot with my patients because it is such a complex area to be able to visualize it is really helpful. So um, listeners, if you're, if you're, if you're just listening, please go to the breast friends YouTube channel and watch this part of the video or all the videos. So you can see what Dr. Aaron is holding because it's like the, you know, you have those skeletons you have in science class, but this is way more advanced. It's, it's the pelvic with pelvic area with the the bones and the muscles and there's blue things in there and all and she's going to talk about all that so you definitely go watch the video <laughs> all right so we have this pelvic model um the pelvic bones create a big shape like a bowl but the bottom of the bowl of your pelvis is not bone at all it is comprised of soft tissues namely muscles and skin and fat and fascia and ligaments all these things right and the muscles themselves there's technically three layers of the pelvic floor there's one that's a little bit more outside superficial. There's ones that are near or a little bit closer to the urethra. And then there's a deeper layer here um, and they have different functions. So a really big function of the pelvic floor is stabilization because the muscles go from our sits bone to our sits bone. Those are those little knobs you feel when you rock side to side on your glutes. And then they also go from your front pubic bone all the way back to your tailbone, which is essentially the very, very base of your spine. So they connect mm -hmm. back there. So they really create kind of a diamond shaped bowl at the base of your pelvis. So they are always, um, you know, responding to movement. So they're helping to stabilize us. The other thing that they help us with is um, support of the pelvic organs. So on this model, and this is a little bit harder to verbalize, but inside that pelvic bowl, we have organs, also called viscera, but organs, right? So the bladder sits like this little balloon muscle right behind your pubic bone. And then right behind that, we would have the vaginal canal and then the uterus above that. And then the ovaries on either side, which sits kind of right behind the bladder. Which, looking at that, it's amazing because I always think of the uterus as like some big giant organ. And as long as you're not pregnant, pregnant it's not. Yeah. It's pretty it's small. Yeah, it's totally. smaller than your bladder in that model. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're they're both small until they're expanded, either with urine or with the baby. Um, and then the rectum, which is essentially the end part of the colon 
the colon is up in the is considered the large intestine um, in the abdomen. And then once that uh, structure dives into the pelvis, that becomes the rectum. And then the anus is where it empties outside of the body. Um, but the rectum is behind everything. So all of those organs are situated really specifically within that pelvic bowl. And so these muscles are a component of what are helping to keep those organs where they need to be. And that um, looks like such a tiny area. You don't think, I mean, it's like if you're visualizing it, like, okay, the size of a baby's head, it's all this stuff is going on in that area. Yeah. So and those muscles kind of get out of the way and move right. and shift. And so mm -hmm. those muscles need to support a lot. Yeah. How so the, they have a very important job, those three different layers of the muscle structure. How do you know if something is off or not normal with your pelvic floor? Lots of different signs that a lot of people wouldn't really recognize. Uh, there's the obvious, well, what I think of as more obvious, where if you're struggling with any accidental leakage um, in terms of urinary leakage, even stool leakage, we'll talk about later in terms of why people don't talk about these things, but I think there's a lot of shame involved, embarrassment, right? We just don't talk about them, let alone bladder, but talking, starting to talk about like bowels, right? That's, I think for most people, that's a little bit more hush hush. Um, but if any leakage is happening, any, any other bladder stuff like urgency frequency, feeling like you have to go to the bathroom way more often, um, that can actually be a signal that your pelvic floor is having some issues, not necessarily your bladder. Um, any pain down in that region in terms of whether that has to do with intimacy or sexual intimacy or not, um, or sits bone pain, um, tailbone pain, vaginal pain, any sort of pain that can tell us something's going on down there. Um, and then, like I said, bladder, or sorry, bowel dysfunction. So sometimes constipation, um, a sense of heaviness or pressure. I see that a lot more with like postpartum folks um, if they're having some prolapse, which we'll talk about later, but a sense of something just not feeling right down there. Um, and when I say down there, it's literally like that entire region, like from your pubic bone to your tailbone to your sits bones. Um, and even in your lower abdominal area, sometimes that can kind of signal something going on with the pelvic floor. And so if someone is, I would imagine most everyone can benefit from some kind of pelvic floor therapy, even those who don't think about it, because we've all had, and especially as we get older, our bodies change and age and yay, we're living longer and longer lives, but the longer we live, our bodies don't function as well as they used to. Mm -hmm. So, but who like, so obviously you talk to those people who could sense all those dysfunctions or have them. So this is a very long way to a roundabout question. Who can benefit from pelvic floor therapy? Mm -hmm. I mean, truly anyone. Every human has a pelvic floor. And so there can be dysfunction um, from even an early age. I personally don't treat pediatric pelvic physical therapy, um, but that exists. So even from a young age, sometimes um, kids can struggle with that, which can be issues with constipation or be nighttime um, bedwetting or leakage or things like that. So really from a young age that can be present, it can happen in more of the um, teenage years in terms of um, females or girls, if they, um, it maybe they're not sexually active yet, but they have um, what we call vaginismus, which is a narrowing and a tightening of the vaginal canal, for example, maybe they're a swimmer and their swim meet comes up on a time that they're menstruating and they can't use a tampon. Therefore, they can't, then they, you can't wear a pad when you're swimming, right? So that's going to not allow them to compete or do what they love to do and swim. So there's other things I think people don't think about necessarily with that, um, that how the pelvic floor can impact um, one's life kind of through that younger ages all the way up to older. Um, so really it's any age of the spectrum. And as you said, as we get older, it really does, um, you know, things change, especially if there's been any pregnancies or deliveries um, or any traumas or any surgeries, right? The the more the pelvic floor becomes impacted as well as all genders. So every human can benefit from PT, pelvic PT. Now, obviously the muscle you, or the model you just showed us um, is of someone who was born female with mm -hmm. the female organs. Um, can someone born male benefit from pelvic floor therapy as well? Because obviously things are different inside. Yes, um, absolutely. The biggest things that I treat with um, people born with male anatomy um, are chronic male pelvic pain, 
syndrome, which also has been titled um, non-bacterial or abacterial um, prostatitis. It really doesn't have to do much with the prostate in and of itself. It's just kind of a name that's given because everything else has been ruled out. And what the symptoms of that is, you know, pelvic pain, sometimes, oftentimes urinary urgency frequency, sexual dysfunction, things like that. And that really can be, a, you know, a pelvic floor muscle um, issue as well as a nervous system issue, which I think we'll talk about in a little bit, as well as, and speaking of cancer, um, a man who's had their prostate removed, a prostatectomy from prostate cancer, they can struggle significantly with urinary leakage after that. And so a subset of guys will heal well and not struggle with incontinence or leakage at all after prostatectomy. But there's a subset of um, guys who will struggle with it and think that there's not anything they can do about it and just to live with it and wear adult diapers for the rest of their lives. Um, but I've worked with numerous men who have had that and helped them to gain their continence back. So that's a really, really that, cool thing to be able to help with. That is huge, especially, and this is a huge generalization. Um, I know from experience that uh, most of the men in my life do not like to go to doctors and especially with anything in that area, they're like, mm -hmm. I can handle it. So props to those who go out and actually yep. are proactive and take care of themselves because it's so important. Like you said, anyone can benefit from this type of therapy. And that's what I always say. Like anyone can also benefit from having a therapy for your brain because mm -hmm. <laughs> this is just part of life. And we have so much more to talk about. So listeners, please stay with us. We're going to take a break. If you would like to help Breast Friends on its mission to ensure that no one goes through cancer alone, you can donate on our website, breastfriends.org. There's a big button or you can text BF radio to 41444. Stay with us. We'll be back with Dr. Aaron in just a minute. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey Alexa! Hey Google! Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thank you for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck. My guest is Dr. Aaron Kirschbaum pelvic floor therapist specialist and that was that was the wrong wording but that's the way my yeah, cancer fine. brain works it works. <laughs> so dr aaron we just finished up talking about how really everyone can benefit this but um the majority of our listeners are cancer survivors or thrivers how can um this area especially be affected by cancer treatment and possibly radiation of that area if someone is going through cervical or ovarian cancer mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, if it's obviously more of a gynecological cancer and there has been radiation to the tissues, that region can be highly impacted. Um, there is a, as we saw in the pelvic model earlier, there's a huge connection between the muscles and the tissue and the organs, which is different from other parts of the body, right? If you think about your neck or your shoulder, we don't have an organ living in your neck or shoulder per se, right? There's not a bladder in your shoulder. And so there's such an interconnectedness of the pelvis where 
you know, um, any sort of trauma or change to the tissues around those organs can impact it, right? Your bladder function, your bowel function, your ability to, you know, enjoy intimacy or sexual, you know, intercourse. Um, So if it's directly related to that, we can help people safely kind of reconnect to their body, um, learn how to use different tools to help um, sustain their vaginal or their pelvic floor function or their vaginal function for as long as possible, um, to retrain the bladder, Another component when it's just generalized, um, if we're not talking specifically breast cancer, but any sort of cancer, is this stress that that induces in the body. And we know more and more now that and how stress impacts the entire system of our body. But we know even more now that the pelvic floor loves to hold on to that tension because of that stress. And so a huge part of what I do for all my patients, let alone um, being a cancer survivor, is working on getting the nervous system to calm so that the pelvic floor can actually kind of regulate and do its job. Because I find most people, when they've been under any sort of trauma or stress, the muscles of the pelvic floor get overly tight, which leads to its own dysfunction. Because just like a muscle that's tight doesn't mean it's strong. A muscle that's tight means it's exhausted and fatigued and tight and painful and irritated, right? So um, I think that's a a big way that we can help anyone, you know, that's a cancer survivor. And in terms of breast cancer specifically, I've, I've been through a lot of pelvic floor dysfunction because I've been through two cancer diagnoses. I was on endocrine therapy for 10 years. And five years ago, I had a surgical menopause. I had my ovaries removed. So the the medication takes out the estrogen and I had my ovaries removed. So the lack of estrogen has really taken its toll on that area for me. And it's something that is a, it, it, five years later, it's still a work in progress for me because um, your vagina and the vulva, they want estrogen. They and when they don't get estrogen. it, yeah. when they don't get it, they want to close up and say, I'm closed for business. Yeah. <laughs> How would you talk to an, a patient who's coming in with these symptoms? Yeah, I would obviously they they probably have an idea already, but I always talk about that where, you know, estrogen, systemic loss of estrogen impacts all areas of the body and specifically the vulva and vaginal tissues. They really like that. That allows for them to stay moisturized and plump and healthy. Um, and so with those treatments, the vaginal area gets, it's dry and it really impacts, you know, discomfort and, and again, sexual um, ability and the bladder and whatnot. So we talk about, there's different thoughts out there. There's research being done um, in terms of the safety of using a very small amount of topical estrogen for those tissues. Um, I'm hoping there's more and more research to be, you know, continues to be done because it can be so beneficial to have a small amount of topical estrogen down there. Um, I feel like from my research and what I've learned over the years is that for some people, it can be safe to use that small amount. It just really is a a conversation that I always encourage the patient to have with their oncologist or their primary care or whoever it is to have that discussion. Um, But other than that, there's other types of kind of topical, um, you know, hyaluronic acid, vaginal um, creams and different, um, you know, compounds that we can use down there to help the tissues just to kind of bulk up. Because the other thing is, is, you know, you don't think about it necessarily for the bladder, but the urethra, we have a muscle, a circular muscle around it, as well as a couple other muscles that surround it that are helping with continence. But another mechanism for being continent, meaning not leaking, is the bulk of the tissue around the urethra. It just kind of has all this bulky stuff around it that just kind of smushes and helps to kind of keep that closed. But when that is drier and lacks that, that's one reason too, that people can struggle with some of that leakage. Um, So we talk about that. We talk about um, if someone's wanting to return to intimacy in terms of any sort of vaginal penetration. We talk about really safe ways to use vaginal dilators, which are a way mm-hmm. to slowly um, and safely increase both the vaginal width and depth um, to allow for that. So it's definitely something that we can help. I've, I, I've definitely been down the road of everything you just mentioned. <laughs> and I actually also have a, a home tool that I use for um, yep. loosening up some certain areas. Um, I've worked with various gynecologists and naturopaths and my myofascial therapist. And, um, but uh, you're, you're next on my list. So I'm definitely <laughs> making an appointment for next year um, because it is so important. And 
especially for, you know, myself, I've been through a lot because of the cancer. But also one thing I do want to touch on that you mentioned is that our muscles, they they remember things as well and they remember the trauma. So when you're going through this and say you're having problems with, you know, vaginal atrophy and the dryness and and everything down there just kind of hurts and you try to have intimacy and vaginal penetration and that hurts, your brain remembers that. So mm-hmm. how do you get, it's impossible even when you think, oh, I'm feeling better and I've done all these things, your your body still remembers, oh, it hurts. And then it's like, it's hard to relax and it's hard to get through that. So I think coming and speaking to a professional like you and you can explain like, okay, this is why, this is how it happens. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming in an initial appointment that you come in, talk to you about all of the the symptoms and the the different things you might want to try. Um, do you also do like a physical exam on the first appointment? Mm-hmm. So every pelvic PT probably does it differently. I personally, obviously only with consent and after a lot of education, usually will do a pelvic floor muscle assessment on the first visit. Um, it definitely starts with history taking and getting someone's story. Like you said at the very beginning, um, I really like to have a good understanding of the background because I think there's so many things we can find out um, in someone's history that are going to give us clues as to what I can kind of anticipate and expect instead of being rushed through and feeling like you're really not understanding the person. So always start out with a chat um, to learn about the person and what their goals are and what they're experiencing and all that. Um, then I take the this beautiful model that I just showed and I do an anatomy lesson so that people have a better understanding. Because I think that in and of itself is huge because you most people don't really have an understanding of how it's all interconnected down there. And just that sense of education and empowerment of like, oh, this is what's in my body can be really helpful. And then I'll explain based on that model kind of what I would do for an assessment. And then obviously after that, ask if someone, if that's something that they feel comfortable doing. And for the most part, most people say yes, once they understand the concept of it and why they're like, yeah, I just want to get better. So do what you need to do. Um, If for some reason, someone's like, I'm just not comfortable with that today, then that's fine. We'll work on other things. There's plenty of other things we can look at in terms of how someone's breathing, what's their diaphragm doing, what's their back doing, what are their hips doing? All these other things influence the pelvic floor. So we can look at plenty of other things. But if they are coming in with really specific complaints of things happening in the pelvic region, my perspective, and again, every pelvic PT is different. I talk about a zoom in and zoom out kind of concept. I zoom in because if someone is truly experiencing leakage, if that's their main thing, then the urethra and the bladder and the pelvic floor are right there. And that is the zoom in. We want to see what's actually happening in that region and then zooming out, whether that's later that appointment or in the next visit, looking at all these other things kind of up and down the chain. Like we talk, we, you know, looking down, looking up, looking all around the body. Um, but if they are, if someone does consent to a pelvic floor assessment, Essentially, what we're doing is like if someone came in with a uh, with neck issues, um, the physical therapist wouldn't just look at their neck and say, oh, like this is what you need. They would watch them move. They would put their hands on the patient and kind of feel the muscles, feel the fascia, feel the joints. The same thing is in the pelvic floor. It just happens to be in an area that's less familiar with getting palpated by a, a you know, a, a professional <laughs> or a pr- provider. Um, and so, you know, explaining that, but essentially we would kind of feel the muscles on the outside, you know, look, visualize, especially if it's a, um, a cancer survivor to, to note the, the tissue quality. And then if they're agreeable, we would check the inside muscles because we can get to that deeper layer, get this layer out again here, um, we can feel through here on the outside to give us a snapshot of what might be going on. And then if we're able to insert one finger vaginally, that allows me to feel what's going on in these deeper layers of muscles, which are influencing a lot of Mm -hmm. other things. Um, and then just checking to see, you know, what's their connection to the pelvic floor? Can they do that? Can they engage? Can they relax? It's more complex than that in terms of just function of the pelvic floor. But that at least gives me a snapshot if someone has any idea where their pelvic floor is, how to connect to it, what happens when they take a deep breath. So we can kind of get that real true objective information from that. I was actually amazed when I had my first uh, pelvic floor exam um, my myofascial therapist does it as well. And she's also a friend of mine. And so it was easier for me because I'm like, okay, you know, do your, and we're just sitting there chatting. But I was amazed at the palpitations that she was able to do and say, okay, this area is tight. This area over here is tight. Let's, and literally, like, I could feel the release 
from Mm -hmm. the gentle pressures that they were doing. So what you do is so important because I, I, she has helped me so much and you're going to continue to help me going forward (laughs) because it's a, it's a long process. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately for me, I'm not putting, I I do use topical estrogen um, as needed because I've made that choice in consultation with my oncologist, but re reclaiming that part of my life is important and i'm thankfully i don't really have too much leakage other than the random i'm laughing too hard that i pee which is, I, I you know i'm not mad at that because that means i'm laughing with my girlfriend laughing so hard, right? yeah. <laughs> um yeah. but i if someone comes to see you that first appointment and how long uh, do you typically see someone like over the course of time to help them hopefully work through their issues and give them some guidance on how to move forward? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the first, so all of our appointments here at Medwell are an hour. Um, I, when we opened about a year ago and I just really wanted to start a clinic um, with a team and I, that allowed me to do my job because in the past as much as I love the humans I've worked with, I just didn't feel like where the places I was at allowed me to do a quality job. Um, And so I felt rushed. I never felt like I could really connect to people. I couldn't do a thorough examination. I couldn't do thorough education. So I found over the last year and working with patients and having hour long appointments just with me every time, whether that's the first visit, the second visit, the third, all visits, um, I found that people are getting better faster. Shocker, right? Like when you can actually do your job and that people are really motivated because you've explained, right? You've educated on the why behind what we're doing. Then people have that sensation of like, oh, I understand why I'm doing this. Therefore, I'm going to be more motivated and I have, there's more buy-in. And so I find that where it used to take, you know, gosh, you think about traditional physical therapy, right? There's, oh, come in two times a week for six to eight weeks and all this. And you're seeing, you know, 20 visits and all that. And, you know, there'd be sometimes I'd be like, do I even know what I'm doing? (laughs) Because people would come in and just, you know, not really making progress. And, you know, I knew I knew a lot, but I was like, is there something I'm missing? And now that I realize, and of course, I'm always learning, I don't know everything by any stretch of the imagination, but I feel like I'm a pretty competent therapist. And now that I'm able to actually like, dive deep and get really good information and give really good education and and all these things that people are getting better faster. So it really depends on the the condition someone's coming in with, right? If it's a a pelvic pain condition that's been, you know, present for for years and years, that can take more time. If it's someone that um, has really mild incontinence and doesn't have a cancer history and, and maybe hasn't had kids and just maybe they do CrossFit and they have put a lot of pressure down on that, then that can sometimes just be a little tweak of like breath breath coordination and a few things, right? Where in a visit or two, they've kind of like, oh, okay, this is helping or postural changes, things like that. Um, but if it's someone that has pretty long-term um, persistent pelvic pain um, or conditions like endometriosis, um, which pelvic PT can't cure that, but we can be a part of the team to help with. Those are things that can take longer. But in general, I find that my patients have significant improvement in whatever symptoms are coming in for in like five to eight visits, something like that in general. Perfect. And you had mentioned it briefly and I was remiss in not saying it. So you're at Mendwell Health in Lake Oswego, <laughs> Oregon. Um, do you do any type of consultations if someone's like, oh, I don't want to commit to a full appointment? Can someone just chat with you or someone else in the office before coming in? Yeah, we have free phone consults. So if someone's interested, and I think that's super helpful because a lot of people have some anxieties or just apprehensions or just curiosity um, of what the heck this type of therapy is. And so I can get on the phone with people and just kind of talk about their history, their background, and then explain how um, pelvic PT might go about helping them. And most of the time people are like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. And then they feel more comfortable making that appointment. Perfect. Well, we have so much more to talk about with Dr. Aaron of Mendwell Health. Uh, So listeners, stay with us. If you would like to be my guest or submit your warrior story or just reach out to me with a comment or a question, I've been getting a lot of those lately and I love it hearing from hearing from all of you who benefit from the show. Please email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. We will be back in just a minute. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. 
Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle Beck. My guest is Dr. Aaron Kirschbaum of Mendwell Health. And we are talking about what is normal, not normal, and what can we do for pelvic floor dysfunction. So Dr. Aaron, if say you're having a consult with someone or even an initial appointment, what is the the best, biggest advice you can give str- for someone struggling with pelvic floor dysfunction? Um, Gosh, a piece of advice. I mean, if I'm already talking to them, they already have reached out. They've already made the first step, which is They've good. They've already made the first step, right? Yeah, because I think that the the biggest piece of advice or just knowledge is that there is a specialty of pelvic floor PT across the United States. And while there's more providers typically in bigger cities, hopefully there's more in smaller cities, but knowing that we exist and that there is a growing profession of it, that means that there are a lot of patients out there that need it. And so it's very cliche, but at the same sense that like, you're not alone. Like there are so many people that struggle with these things. Um, And so I think that that's honestly it is to know that like, just reach out to someone and even just have a chat, have a discussion and see if you can be helped. Cause I think people just, you know, live with things that they think. Well, they they do. And you know, it's funny. I funny in a not funny way. I just got an email from a listener recently who thanked me for being so open with topics like sexuality and talking about your body on the show because she lives in rural Virginia where they don't talk about anything. She's like, we talk about everybody else's business, but we can't talk about our own bodies. And so again, thank you for being here to share because not everyone has this access. If someone is outside of the Portland area, if they're here, obviously I want them to go to you, but is there a network or something they can search like an organization to find a pelvic floor specialist in their area? Yeah, there is. And I'm, I'm seriously glad to ask that because I wanted to tell you this and make sure that all your listeners knew this because I'm only in one place. Um, and like I said, luckily, Portland, we are very, you know, in certain ways, very progressive. And, and so we are, you know, the word is out. We have lots of great public PTs. Um, but in other places, it can be really hard to find. And there are um, patients that will drive hours to go to a public PT just for one visit or they'll, you know, fly somewhere to a, a specialty clinic. Um, but yes, there the um, institute that I mentioned earlier that I have my specialization through, her and Wallace, they created a website called pelvicrehab.com. And it is a general site where you can put in your zip code and then search. And anyone that's taken a class from them or um, has pelvic PT background will pop up as a list and show where they're located. Um, It will also show on there if someone is certified. So when you search on there, it's hard to know like some pelvic PTs treat pelvic PT kind of like half the time and others like me are just, that's all we do. And so you don't know exactly how much experience someone has on that. So you could just call around to different places if there are multiple options um, and check, but they do have, I think on there, it will have, I believe it's a yellow banner kind of under a person's name saying like pelvic health certified, if they have their actual um, like special, like I do, right. Specialty training certification that takes, you know, X, Y, Z hours and tests and whatnot. Not to say there aren't other great pelvic PTs that don't have that, um, 
but just as an awareness, right, of wh- who you're going to be seeing. But yeah, pelvicrehab.com. Perfect. And why are you so passionate about this specialty? And how did you end up um, in school? You're like, I want to go on and, and work on this subset. Yeah, so I um, I was an anthropology major in undergrad, actually. I had no idea I wanted to be a physical therapist. That's a little different. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And that inspired me to join the Peace Corps. And I lived in Ukraine for a couple of years doing the Peace Corps. And while I was in the Peace Corps, I realized I didn't want to be a teacher like I thought I wanted to. I wanted to be a physical therapist because that helped. It it had the education component. It had the helping people component. Um, And so when I got back from Ukraine, I actually worked at a clinic for a couple of years um, as an aide, like we all kind of have to to get our, you know, Mm -hmm. stuff under our belt. Um, And the clinic I worked at had two women's health specialists. And so that was what piqued my interest initially. And I thought, wow, like this can really help impact people's quality of lives. And I'm not embarrassed talking about pee, poop, sex, whatever. That doesn't make me blush and how I was raised. I don't know, as an open family. And thought if I can talk about that with confidence and comfortability, like, and this is a huge need out there. I mean, they had patients coming in constantly. I was like, wow, like there's so many people struggling with this. So that piqued my interest. So I knew from early on, even when I was in PT school, that this is what I wanted to do. Um, And I think I'm passionate about it because of what you, or what I just said, it's, it's helping people with quality of life changes um, and having patients come in and say like, wow, I, for the first time by a practitioner, I feel heard and I feel validated and I feel hopeful. Like those words to me are like why I do what I do because I've had a lot of patients come in that have been dismissed by other, you know, they've said, oh, I have pain with sex. And their provider said, well, just use more lube, have more wine and relax. Yeah, lube, lube is always the answer. Lube yeah, is not really? the answer. No, I mean, no, yeah, I need lube. But I need I need other answers to these questions besides right. lube. Exactly. So things like that where you come in or they've, you know, maybe, maybe even been to a different pelvic PT who didn't have as much training and maybe they were a really complex case. And so being able to give like explain what I think's going on and have people be like you can just see that look of like like I'm not I'm not a savior I'm not gonna I'm not magic anything like that but at, at least giving them that hope of like okay there are still things that we can work on um and it's different than a rolled S sprained ankle you know that's what I kind of talk about where it's that's why I think you know at Mendwell this is all we do because I think it deserves that specialty and that time because it's vastly treating someone's pelvic floor dysfunction is vastly different than treating like I said their sprained ankle or their ACL rehab and while those can be you know very challenging in terms of not being able to have your same mobility and it's a long recovery and all that and I hear that's it's that that's valid but at the same time working on someone you're working with someone that has lot of layers and maybe has a history of trauma and, and maybe has a history of cancer and has multiple pregnancies and deliveries and maybe had a car accident years ago, right? There's so many layers that being able to, um, you know, address those things, like these really quality of life, like you can't be intimate with your partner anymore. You can't run anymore, but run, you love running, but you don't anymore because you, you leak too much or you're embarrassed to go out and about because you're afraid of your, your bowel leakage, right? Like those are things that innately impact your ability to be happy in life. Um, And so I think that that's why I'm passionate because I'm helping with those type of things. And so you went out and started Mendwell on your own because you wanted to have this specialized place. Yes, me, a, a couple other girls and I decided to start this clinic. So it's it's me and them and we opened about a year ago and we're just trying to, yeah, treat as, you know, patients that come in and we're trying to, like, we do a lot of community education as well. Um, just like the the Breast Friends event um, luncheon that you were mentioning earlier was so neat to be invited to speak at. So yeah, really passionate about spreading that awareness. And I love the title because, or your, the name Mend Well, because it's like, it just, it's not something you hear all the time together, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It worked perfectly. Yeah. So I'm sure you have success stories and that has to be probably the f- most favorite part of your job is helping those individuals and, you know, the, g- graduating for lack of a better term, but getting their solutions or their problems solved. What is that? How does that feel for you? It's great because I feel like I'm actually getting to the root of it, right? I'm not just trying to put a Band-Aid over what they're struggling with. We're actually, and that's why I think it takes 
you know, time with appointments to peel the layers to figure out, you know, a lot of times people are told, oh, you know, just do Kegels. I think that's the the buzzword. If I say I'm a pelvic PT and people don't have anything, know what I'm talking about, the most people are like, well, you mean like Kegels or something? And which they don't even call them that anymore. I know that. (laughs) Yep. We don't call them that. That was named after a a male physician in the 1950s who decided to to name the pelvic floor contraction after himself. So I call it a pelvic floor muscle contraction. A little bit longer, but worth Mm -hmm. saying. Um, F the patriarchy. Oh, sorry. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I just think that that uh, just being able to get to that root cause and get lasting change uh, is is why it's it's fun to do what I do. It can be hard. It's not easy. Definitely won't say it's easy, right? I mean, you have to really be able to to look at all the different parts of the system and address the nervous system and then make reference or referrals to other people, right? I love when my patients are seeing acupuncturists and or naturopaths or massage therapists, thing, like you mentioned, you know, myofascial um, or fascial work, things like that. That is all impactful. But yeah, I just think being part of that team um, for my patients is is really important. Oh yeah, I'm all about like putting all the things together and figuring out what works best. You know, the yeah. Western and Eastern medicine because they're not they go, they work together and they're very complementary. Like I see an acupuncturist regularly and the the myofascial and can add you to my team as well because it's important to treat all of the different aspects. Um, yeah. You know, there are people who are like, oh, I can do all of this. Well, specialists are specialists for a reason. And when we have issues like pelvic floor dysfunction, it is so important to get that taken care of because as you said, the 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 leakage is not normal. And the there's other things. What is the most common thing that um, your patients come in for? Oh, gosh. Um, it would probably be a toss-up between pelvic pain and that is a massive umbrella of terms, right? <laughs> um, that encompasses a lot or bladder dysfunction. Those truly are, or, or uh, so I can't even say the number one, I'm saying or a million times. Um, core weakness is another one that mm-hmm. really impacts pelvic health. Um, so I work with a lot of people on kind of reconnecting back to their core, whether that it was after a surgery. And we didn't actually, I mentioned that earlier in terms of any um, abdominal surgeries or mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. upper body, you know, like mastectomies and, and any scar tissue and surgeries in the abdomen or the thorax, meaning the mid body can impact the pelvic floor. So, you know, work, getting things moving, making sure there's no scar tissue developing, making sure the diaphragm is working effectively, making sure your deep core muscles are working actively. That is really foundational, no matter kind of who I'm working with and for what diagnosis, because it all is so interconnected. Um, so yeah, a lot of core rehab, as well as, like I said, any bladder dysfunction um, or pain. Now, how would you address core rehab? What would you have a, a patient do? I, A, start with looking how they breathe. Breathing is truly foundational. And there, I mentioned the nervous system component. Yes, I was going to ask about that next. <laughs> so it's all it's all interconnected, that word. I keep saying it, but it really is. Um, your diaphragm is this dome-shaped muscle right up underneath the rib cage. And I like to think about that as being the top of our core. Um, almost as if, if you think about your core, I use the analogy to a pop can. The top of the pop can is your diaphragm. The bottom of your pop can is your pelvic floor. And then you have all these abdominal and back muscles that create the cylinder that goes around it to complete the can. When we breathe, the diaphragm descends down when we inhale, which makes the pelvic floor also descend and relax down on the inhale. And then when we exhale, everything kind of just goes back up. But if there's been any sort of surgery scar tissue, nervous system, meaning the sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight or flight, that diaphragm is influenced and it doesn't quite do its, it's limited in how it can breathe. And therefore we start, instead of breathing down into our core, we start to breathe up and we get tightness in our neck and our jaw and our upper back, because every time we try to breathe, all these muscles that normally at rest should be at rest and relaxed, Mm -hmm. start to do this, you know, tightness, and then we get all this tightness here. And then we're not getting any of that breath and expansion and movement down into our abdominal core. And so looking at how someone's breathing is how I start. And if they are taking shallow breaths, we work on the diaphragm. If the diaphragm has not moved, 
in years because of whatever reasons, then we can do actual mobilizations of it to release it. There's different techniques that therapists know that we can work to get that diaphragm. It's like, it's a muscle. It just happens to be this really interesting, cool dome shaped muscle inside our body. Um, and so we can help to essentially mobilize it so that when someone takes a deep breath, they can actually use it. And that is going to influence the pelvic floor um, inadvertently by allowing that pressure system to kind of go down into the pelvic floor. So we start with that. And then we we look at how someone's kind of what I, I'll just have them, however they think they would. If I say, go ahead, go ahead and contract your core for me. And I watch what happens. <laughs> then we correct it. <laughs> and then we correct it because it's usually not quite right. Um, you know, I'm sitting here doing all those things right now. I'm doing diaphragm breathing and I'm doing like neck breathing and I'm like pel tightening my pelvic and I'm like, okay, yeah. all these things. Am I doing it right? Probably not. Yeah. yeah. So I just look at it and I help people know how to do it right. So that's how we start. And then we just progress from there in terms of challenge of, and I look at the hips, the hips are part of the core too, if you will. I mean, they're a huge part of pelvic stabilization. So I'm looking at the glute muscles, the hips, how the hips are moving. Um, yeah, all connected. Wonderful. And Dr. Aaron, we are out of time. Gosh, I wish we could talk for days because this is such an important issue, but please tell our listeners where they can find you online and on social media. Yes. Our website is uh, mendwellhealth.com. I had to think about that, but I'm that I'm pretty sure medwellhealth.com. <laughs> um, and uh, that has a lot of resources. It has our phone number. It has a, um, a tab where you can say, you know, contact us to, for a little a question or if you wanted to do that free consult. Um, and it also has online booking so people can just book online um, easily. And then our Instagram is at mendwellhealth. So we are pretty active on there too, which is kind of fun to follow. Perfect. Dr. Aaron, thank you so much for being here and sharing all of this important information. I know it will definitely be helpful. So listeners, again, you can find them at mendwellhealth.com and on social at at mendwellhealth. Um, if you or your loved ones need our services, please go to breastfriends.org. Oh, I forgot to mention pelvicrehab.com, right? That's mm -hmm. where you can go and search for a specialist, not in the Portland, well, in the Portland area, but we've got Dr. Aaron here. So anyway, Dr. Aaron at Mendwell Health, but listeners, again, go to breastfriends.org. If you need our services, check out patient programs to see what we can do for you or a loved one. If you'd like to make a donation, there's that big button on the website or text BF radio to 41444. We'll be back next week, but until then, you can find our past episodes on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel, wherever you get your podcasts or any of the 2022 episodes on the Breast Friends YouTube channel. And that's also where you can go find this episode to check out the amazing pelvic model, which Dr. Aaron showed us. So please check that all out. Such good information. And we will be back next week. And until then, remember, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.